Hello, everyone, and welcome to Nomadic Diaries, revealing the secrets of life on the move. Our mission here is to provide information, encouragement, and to promote and educate travel in deeper and more meaningful ways across the expatriation, repatriation, and nomading uh, communities so that you can have a greater and more exciting adventure during your living overseas. My name is Doreen Cumberford, and I am the host. I would like you to meet Sharon Fields, who is my co-host. Thank you, Doreen. Welcome, everyone. Today, we have as our guest, Joe Parfit, an expat, a writer, and a teacher for 30 years. Joe Parfit's written 32 books and mentored hundreds to get their books written. In 1997, she founded Summertime Publishing, specializing in books for people living overseas. She teaches various writing courses via workbooks you can buy on Amazon, online via Zoom, and at an annual retreat in Italy. That sounds wonderful. You can visit her website to pick up some freebies and a trial lesson while while signing up for one of her online workshops or events. She repatriated to Stanford in the UK in 2020. Welcome, Joe. Hi, Sharon and Doreen. It's really lovely to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, well, we are so honored that you were one of the first guests on Nomadic Diaries. And you and I, I think, have known each other for possibly around eight or nine years at this point. We've, we met through Families in Global Transition. And... Um, Joe, um, you are one of the major senior contributors to the next book that I am going to be publishing next year, which is Life in the Reentry Lane. So it seems like today we are talking about repatriation. That is the journey home after one has lived overseas. So tell me, what has surprised you the most about your personal journey of repatriation? Well, this is the second time I've repatriated. In 1997, we came back after 10 years overseas and lived in England for seven years. And I was never really settled in all that time. And after seven years, the itch was itching loud and clear and scratchy. And so we went to live abroad again in 2005. Um, And there we stayed until we repatriated in 2020. So I, I had expectations. I knew it was going to be horrible. I knew I was going to find it very difficult. And I knew I probably wasn't going to want to stay. So what what surprised me was that I was right, unfortunately. I found it very, very hard. But it was COVID. And so I gave myself permission for it to not be very good because I could blame it all on the fact that we weren't really allowed out and we couldn't mix with people. And so it was very difficult. And uh, what surprised me, I suppose, in a good way is that because COVID had started before we went home, I had started to do an awful lot of work online instead of face to face. And it was great that I was able to bring that with me. So that preparation really helped. And it reminds me, actually, of when we went to live in Oman in 1990. No, yeah, about 92, we went to live in Oman. And um, it was wonderful to go there from Dubai. But I knew that I was going to be lost. And these were the days before Internet, so I couldn't take my clients with me. 
But I realized I needed something to do when I got there. And I ordered a, a long distance course on copywriting to that would be there waiting for me in Oman to keep me busy. And so this is kind of the same thing that happened this time coming home. I'd already got my work lined up. I was already running classes. And so I brought my work home with me. So I think that was a, a really useful thing. And whether you, however you do it, I think it's good to have something in place that, for your, that will make you happy and make you feel like yourself. Well, I was a part of that journey, or I feel like I was a part of that journey, because in 2020, when the pandemic happened, I was stuck uh, in um, San Miguel de Allende seven months, which we have ultimately chosen as our home base from which to travel. And I can remember we had all kinds of writing circles and groups. And you know, I just think that the whole world had the opportunity to pause and listen to our internal voices. And that so many writers, uh, for writers, I thought it was a, a really positive thing. So I've watched your journey and it seemed to me that um, COVID kind of launched you at a whole different level. And tell us what happened after that. Well, I would just like to say a little bit more about that. I think that COVID it did help me massively. Uh, what a negative thing that helped, because it meant that instead of me repatriating to my hometown where I had grown up and didn't want to go particularly, I was really able to take my expat community with me because of COVID and because of the online classes. So, so something really bad turned into something good. But the other thing that happened is that we've been home for nearly three years now. And just over a year ago, we were living in a house I didn't like. In a village that I did like, um, I was not happy there at all. I really wasn't happy. I hadn't settled in. I hadn't made new friends. I hadn't done the thing I always do, which is start a writer's circle wherever I go, a live one, because of COVID. So I couldn't. And then a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, just over, um, I became very ill. And this was something that completely threw my world upside down, turned my world upside down. And I was no longer able to work. And work was the one thing that always kept me on the straight and narrow and kept me sane. It always has been. And I've always been a bit of a workaholic. I love my work. And then I couldn't do anything. And I, I had, first of all, I had the most terrible sciatica. Then I ended up with pain all over my body, which meant that I, I couldn't walk. I couldn't sit. I couldn't stand. The only thing I could do was lie on the floor. And I was in constant pain for 22 hours a day, screaming with the pain. The doctors didn't know what it was. And it was awful. But right in the middle of that, exactly a year ago, we were moving house. And so I was unable to do a thing, having to move house from a house I didn't like to a house I knew I would like, but was a wreck and needed, needed doing up. I ended up basically having to shift from one sitting room floor to another sitting room floor. And I spent eight weeks lying on a yoga mat. Nothing took the pain away. It was it was horrific. And so I did move, but I was so ill and I couldn't think straight. And then I got a facial palsy. And it was only when I got a facial palsy that um, the medical professionals thought we'd better try and do something about this and started an absolute barrage of tests. And I discovered that what I had got was Lyme disease. Um, I had obviously been bitten by a tick in the July, and I was diagnosed by the October, by which time I can almost say I was incompatible with life. It was it was awful, absolutely awful. And I thought that the, the doctors, because I heard what the doctors were saying when I was going to the doctors, I'd heard them saying brain tumour, multiple sclerosis, vasculitis, 
um, various cancers. And in the end, it was, um, it was lymphoma or Lyme disease that they thought I'd got. And they narrowed it down to, and then I was diagnosed. But in this time, I was unable to move in a place I didn't want to be, lying on the floor, unable to drive, unable to go shopping, unable to go out, unable to teach, unable to write, unable to do anything. <laughs> this is awful, just an awful. And so it sounds like what happened was the negative side of repatriation became um, neutralized because that was the least of the worries, right? Nothing. It's I could do nothing. And it was so interesting because I ended up only having four walls and all I had was the view of the trees out the window. And I would watch the trees and watch the leaves and watch the birds on the leaves and listen to that. And so my world became smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And I'm somebody who wants the whole big wide world and I want to be an hour from an airport and I want to be able to get away. And I couldn't do any of that. I couldn't cook. I couldn't make myself a cup of tea. I could do nothing. And um, all this time, I had obviously, I'd been feeling very discombobulated by the move and very, very unsettled. But um, two things kept me going. And one was something that I don't know if any of you do this, but it absolutely saved my sanity. When I left the Netherlands, I had a really dear friend called Jacinta. And we were very, very close. And she decided that she would telephone me every day, but just leave a voice message. Oh, nice. And so she would leave me a voice message or, or several throughout the day, 10 minutes. Sometimes they were 10 minutes long, but I couldn't enter into a conversation because I wasn't well. Doing this the whole time I'd been home anyway for fun. Um, we call it high grade waffle and we talk about absolutely anything. So I would ring her when I had the energy and she would ring me when she had the energy and we would just talk to each other. When I became really ill, she would sing to me. Oh, so I could story. listen to her singing and I would lie in the bath because that was the only thing I could do. I would lie in the bath and it's fantastic acoustics in a bathroom and I would sing back to her. And I got a terrible voice, but I would do it. And it was my it was my point of happiness. It was made me so calm to have this connection with somebody, even though it wasn't a live connection. And it was like bringing my friend with me and having this conversation. But we it was, you know, the thing where you can use the talking stick or the talking bottle. Yes, and yes. And it, so it's your yes. turn to talk. So nobody interrupted you and yeah. you could get things off your chest. And it was absolutely brilliant. And as part of one of these high grade waffles, Jacinta said to me, are you writing? And I said, no, I'm not writing. I'm not. I haven't got the energy. And then I thought one day, I wonder if I could. So then I wrote and I realized that this is my first love. And it made me happy and it made me feel at home in myself. And time flew as it always did. And it was fulfilling and it gave me a real boost. And I realized that fundamentally, knowing I was a writer, just being able to do that just for an hour was all I needed to remind me who I was. So I didn't need the work. I didn't need all the people. I didn't need anything. All I needed was to be able to write, to be honest. Isn't that fabulous? What a fabulous gift. And I two things strike me. One is uh, one of the coaching questions that we frequently ask clients because many of us are stuck in paradigms that are not nearly as uh, dangerous and scary as the health scare you had. But um, sometimes we think, oh, I can't do that. And some of, and the best question I have ever found to unlock a can like that is, and what if you could? Mm. And that's exactly what you did. You said, I wonder if I could. 
And if we go to that, I wonder if I could place all sorts of things can be opened up. So another thing you said was about the singing and the uh, trees. And I too have found that nature, everywhere I go, nature is always healing. If I haven't been, if I've been in the house for too long, I need to get out in nature. And nature is just such a healing, even just to look at leaves, especially aspen leaves. I love the way they kind of quiver and shake. Um, But these are wonderful, simple things that each of us can do in the face of being absolutely stopped in our tracks. And sometimes I think you have to be stopped in your tracks and have everything taken away to see that fundamentally the things that make you give you happiness, they can be quite simple. We don't have to, I don't know, have gold bracelets or go out for posh meals or go to the theatre or go on trips. We can find these pockets of happiness in ourselves and in our lives, even when we've got nothing. And you know what happened since that then is that I couldn't walk and I, I, I can walk again now. I've got a peripheral nerve damage in my left leg and foot, so it feels dead most of the time and I walk with a limp. I've been walking with a stick most of the time, but I don't need my stick anymore. I do fall over quite a lot. And I, I realised that I'm happy. I'm happy in this place now. I've, so I emerged from this dark, dark fog to discover that I am happy here. I really am happy. And and I'm in the same place I was in before. It's almost like you found joy right where you are. And um, someone asked me recently, the day before yesterday, they asked me why we moved to San Miguel. And I said, it didn't matter where we moved. Mm. It's not the place that makes you happy. It's yourself that makes you happy. And you find the joy in the place because this would not have been my first choice, but um, this is where we are. And it's about creating joy wherever you are. Sharon, you've got a question. Joe, now that you've come through this horrific experience and you have found peace and happiness within yourself, what does the future look like? What, What projects do you plan to work on? Did you have any great ideas come to you? Yeah, actually, I did. Um, Well, one thing that's happened, which is utterly, utterly surprising, is that I'm not a workaholic anymore. And I'm not, I don't worry about other people as much. Um, And yes, I am working on something. I am working on writing a series of essays to write a book about home. Ah, Good, good. Excellent. Congratulations. So I am. I have to. So I do have a new project and I've just started a a new, I'm just setting up a new series of workshops, having not really worked very much for a year. It's taken me a year to get my mojo back, but Mm -hmm. not just my after the illness, but after the repatriation. So I think it's probably taken me nearly three years to get my mojo back anyway now. So, so I feel back and raring to go really, but within different parameters now because I will not work eight hour days. That's fantastic. You have to set limits for yourself and pay attention to yourself and your energy levels and and what brings you happiness and joy. Mm. Maureen, do you have any other questions? Yes, I I would like to know um, what is the one biggest message that you would give to the repatriated community or people who one day may have to repatriate um, in, in terms of you can't prepare for this. You cannot prepare for disasters and health crises. But what is the one thing that people can do? Know themselves. 
do as much work on themselves as possible to know what makes them happy. Because if they're not happy before they get there, I don't think many situations are as difficult as repatriation. You know, Doreen, too. too. It's it's hard. We don't want to stop when we've been expats all our lives. We just it, stopping is terrifying. Yes, yes, stopping is terrifying, and it's uh, it's it's a combination of um, unvisited assumptions and things that blindside you, like your illness. Um, it, it's a series of things that that you cannot prepare and practice for. And so it has been great to talk to you today, Joe, because I see a big difference. I hear a big difference. And I watched you go through this tremendously difficult illness. And um, what a gift in many respects. This is and not just to yourself and being kind, but for all our listeners and all the readers who will follow you and understand that each of us is crafting a very unique path through this journey and yours has been quite uh, challenging. Mm. So where can people find you and follow you? Well, because I'm not a workaholic anymore, (laughs) I'm I'm not as active online as I was. I'm not posting things all the time. I it's amazing how you you start to realize what's important and what's not. And I know I've got an incredible network. I know I keep in touch with my network anyway. So you can find me at joeparfit.com, J-O-P-A-R-F-I-T-T.com. I haven't written a blog since before I was ill, so I haven't written one. I might not write another one. You can find me on Instagram at joeparfitwriter. I probably post on there once in a blue moon, but I do sometimes. You'll find me on Facebook as Joe Parfit, and I've got a business page as well but I'm not really posting on them because it doesn't matter anymore. But I'll tell you what does matter. I became a grandmother in the middle of all this, and that is much more important, I can tell you. (laughs) Much more important than anything, anything else. And so I would also just like to say that I think you can take your friends with you when you move, you can. And I would like to recommend this high-grade waffle as the most brilliant thing for many, many reasons. Um, And I would also like to say that the other thing that really cemented me being happy was that I did what I always do everywhere, even though it took me two years to do it. And that was started a local writer's circle, because I have always believed that the way to be happy, you have to have if you if you run a business as well as I always have, you have to have a local network and a global network. You have to have a local presence and a global presence. And otherwise, if you don't have the global presence, you'll forget who you were. Or who you are. And if you don't have a local presence, you'll never plug in. And if you don't plug in, you can't settle. I would totally agree with that. Sharon? I so agree with that as well. It's so important just to have the human connections and the and you've been such a great inspiration for so many of us listening to your story today. So enjoy that grandbaby. They grow very fast. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks, Joel. Thank you. Thank you, both of you. Thanks for having me.